Craig to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to be back. I was, uh, took some time uh, to have my family, my oldest son and his family, come and bring their children and visit us. And uh, if you have grandchildren that are far away, you know how you miss being part of their lives. I mean, it's great to have FaceTime and phone calls and stuff, but it's nothing like the real thing. And so it was great to have them come, great to have them go, but it was great to have them. And uh, it was really good. And then Crystal and I got on a plane and uh, we were able to get the pass to get into PEI. You have to have a pass to get into PEI from, well, which, you know, I, that makes sense. I mean, PEI. <laughs> and you have to have a pass to get into PEI. And uh, we got the pass and we went. And then when we were there, they, nobody wears masks which is really was, you know, I was the only one standing in grocery stores or one of few wearing masks because they're, they have so little cases and they've opened it up. So I, I felt like I was advanced a little bit into the future of what it will feel like. And it's amazing how free you feel when you don't have a mask on. Now, while I was away, I, uh, I, I, I continued to be a part of Springvale and uh, I was really perturbed. Everything went well except for one thing. I had a youth pastor up here talking some sort of drivel about the dark kingdom being Montreal <laughs> and, uh, and the light kingdom being this Toronto. And, and I came back and, and I realized I had to t bring it to the board and we did. And now we're going to have church discipline. And so now our youth pastor is under church discipline, and we've decided his discipline is he has to go read the names of the winner on the Stanley Cup in order to get his theology straight. And he will discover that not only is there more Montreal names than there are Toronto, but it's, they've been more recently winning the cup or in a Stanley Cup final. You might have remembered that this last spring. And so that discipline, I think, will have its effect to keep that kind of bad theology <laughs> off this stage. Well, what? It all falls down when you go away, right? So I, I do have a serious question for you, I think, somewhere I, I prepared one. Uh, and the, this is the question I have for you. Do you think God speaks today to people? Do you think God speaks to people today? Let me just read you a story. This is a little bit dated, but um, it makes the point. Robert McFarlane was well known. It comes from uh, Hearing God, Dallas Willard's uh, seminal book on hearing the voice of God in our lives. Robert McFarland was a well-known businessman in the Los Angeles area, and he moved to California from Oklahoma, and within just a few days of his arrival, due to disastrous misunderstanding with a close friend, he had to take control of an insurance agency. Didn't want to, but he had to make it succeed in order to save the large amount that he had invested. By the spring, he was in his third straight year of constant strain and stress in the operating the, the business, and he had recently converted uh, to Christ through the ministry of Rolling Hills Covenant Church in Southern California in answer to the prayers of his wife, Betty, and many of their Christian friends. And one day that spring, the continual danger of defeat, the daylight, the dark hours of effort, the frustration at every turn, the hardened memories of the cause of his financial difficulties came upon him with an astounding force. And Robert drove toward his office facing yet another day of futility and failure, but having to accomplish the absolute necessities to keep the business afloat. And if you've ever run a business and been in a tough time, you know how that bears on you. 
And suddenly he was filled with a frantic urge to turn left onto the road out of town and just disappear. Afterward, he says he felt that he was going to make that turn. How far he would have gone, of course, is unknown, but into the midst of that inner turmoil came a command, pull over to the curb. As he relates it, it was as if the words were written on the windshield. After he pulled over, there came to him, as though from someone with him in the very car, these words, my son had strains that you will never know. And when he had those strains, he turned to me. And that is what you should do. After hearing these words, Robert sat at the wheel for a long time, sobbing aloud. He then drove to his Long Beach office, where he faced 22 major outstanding problems, all the most significant problems, whether they concern company disagreements, clients, uh, payments, or late premiums, or whatever they were, were substantially resolved by the day's end. So I ask you again, do you think that God spoke to Robert McFarlane in that situation? Did he hear the voice of God? Or was he just under so much strain that when he pulled over, he thought he heard God? Or was he lying to people around him in order to justify whatever he did to solve those problems? Or was he just one of those few people who hear the voice of God in their lives? Did God really speak to him? Which, which brings up a bigger question is, does God really speak to people today? Which brings up an even bigger question for you. Should you expect God to speak to you today? Now I'm going to take a question that would naturally come out of this and just put a pin in it, we'll talk about it later, and that is, well, how does God speak? Is it an audible voice? Is it vision? Is it, you know, impromptings, impressions? Is it through other people? We'll take that question, we'll put a pin in it, we'll come back to it. But I want to solve this question first. Does God speak to us today? Should you expect to hear the voice of God in your life today. And really, the best place to get that answer, of course, is scripture. So I just want to do a little bit of a uh, review of just some scriptures. You'll see them on the screen behind me. Genesis 3, 8, 9, the man and his wife, this is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God uh, in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? So our very first parents, after they had sinned, have the experience of hearing the voice of God into their lives, and I would submit that will be a pattern with our first parents that is repeated, not only through scripture, but through history. Exodus thirty-three eleven: the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Would that not be cool? or maybe terrifying, that you would, speak, you would meet with God and he would talk to you as if another person, face to face. 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 5, one night Eli, who was the prophet of Israel, older prophet at that time, whose eyes were becoming so weak 
that he could barely see was laying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So you have the, the prophet who, and, and the leader of the, of the, the, and the priest of the people of Israel lying down next to the tabernacle. And you have the young one, Samuel, just a boy lying there too. You can't miss the parallel of, of what's about to happen and a transition that's going to take place. And then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lay down. So he went and laid down. That happens three times. And then on the third time, Eli says to him, ding, this could be God speaking to him. Where did he get that idea from? Because it's a normal expectation that God speaks to his prophets, to his people, his leaders. And then we hear the story of Samuel, now grab this, learning to hear the voice of God. He did not recognize it at first. He had to learn to hear the voice of God in his life. 1 Kings 19, Elijah, famous powerful prophet in the Old Testament, and the word of the Lord came to him. So the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? Seems like fairly clear that God was speaking to him. Elijah replies, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. They put the prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And you remember what happened? He passes by, and, and there's the, a fire that goes bristling through, and the Lord's voice is not in it. And then there's an earthquake, and then there's a great wind, and God's voice is not in any of that. And then there's a whisper. And then at the, after the fire came a gentle whisper, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave and the voice said to him what are you doing here Elijah in a whisper that may explain why we sometimes struggle to hear God right we would expect him to speak loud bold clear but he speaks in a whisper and the thing I know about a whisper is you have to be quiet to hear a whisper Psalm 25 14 the Lord confides the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes known his covenant to them. He confi How do you confide in somebody? You speak to them. John 10, 27, Jesus, my sheep hear my voice. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. <laughs> they hear my voice. That presupposes somebody's doing some talking. Acts 9, in Damascus, a disciple named Ananias, the Lord came to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in his vision. So two of them are having visions and God's communicating to them. He has seen a man named Ananias, which is you, will come and place your hands on him and you'll miraculously restore his sight. One more, Acts 13, 1 and 2. Now the church at Antioch, this is the whole church, there were prophets in the church, Barnabas, Simon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, and then Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. 
So if you go through the scripture, just those few verses we just walked through together, but there's tons more, you will find God speaking to his people all the time. It is normal for God to speak to his people. It's his activity to, for him to speak through his people. Again, we'll talk about how he speaks, but right now I just want to solidify in your mind that it is normal for you to expect to hear God's voice in your life. Now you'd already, unless you're complete liars, you already believe that. And you go, well, okay, that was pretty harsh, Ed. Um, Well, let me just repeat some of the things I've heard you say from time to time. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. You could probably, some of you can finish this for me. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of, well, what were you hearing when you were singing? What are you talking about when you're singing? No, I sing that. That's a great song. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me. Are you just making it up? Oh, no, Pastor, that's a metaphor. Oh, sounds like you're saying he talks with you. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Sounds to me like a personal conversation happening between the person that wrote this and God and the people that sing it. Of course, unless you don't believe it. You just were singing because, you know, the worship pastor made you sing it. (laughs) Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen to what? His voice. You are for me. I know that you will never forsake me in my weakness. I know that you have come now even to write upon my heart and remind me who you are. How do you remind somebody of something without speaking to them in some way? This is our God. Your grace is enough. More than I need. At your word, I will believe. I will wait for you. Draw near again. Draw near In what way? There must be some level of communication to know that God is near. You've sung this too. God is with us. He will go before us. He will never leave us. He will never leave us. How do you know he is near? He is communicating. It's very normal for both Scripture and the church to say we experience God speaking to us. I mean, here, let me quote a theologian, one of the greatest theologians of the church ever, Augustine. He was lived at like 354 to 430. So, I mean, this is a long time ago. He writes that he was completely distraught. He was considering ending his life. He heard, so he's in his house, in his garden, and he heard from a neighboring house a voice, as of a boy or girl, I, I, I don't know. They were chanting and off repeating, take up and read, take up and read, take up and read. Augustine could not remember ever hearing a child's game or song with these words, and so checking the torrent of my tears, I arose, interpreting it to be none other than the voice from God to open the book and read the chapter 
read the first chapter I should find. He read Romans chapter 13 and 14, and he was immediately converted and transformed. And if you go through history of the saints, the greatest theologians and leaders of the church, whether it's Teresa of Avila or it's Augustine or it's St. Francis of Assisi or it's Martin Luther or it's John Calvin or George Fox or Wesley's or you go to Billy Graham or uh, Mother Teresa, uh, you, you will hear them talk frequently about a conversation they have with God and they're not the only ones talking. In fact, A.W. Tozer said, the soul, that immaterial inner part of us which makes us who we are, the soul has eyes and ears with which to comprehend God. That's how he phrases this communication that he had and that he knew that the others of the faith had, the ancients from all eras of the church, that there is a communication of God to his people. And, and in case you're not convinced that God speaks to his people today, let me just read Jesus. I mean, I would say he's pretty much an authority on this. Whoever doesn't say man, woman, doesn't uh, identify ethnicity. He uses that word whoever, which means whoever. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, that is the person that loves me. That statement alone is profoundly deep, that I show my love to Jesus by obeying him. The greatest way I show my love for him is to live in a way that honors him, to obey him. And then he goes on, he says, the one who loves me, that means the one who's obeying me, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. How does God show himself to us? Well, certainly the experience of Scripture is he speaks, he talks, he communicates. When you love Jesus and you live a life of obedience, expect to hear God's voice in your life. That is normal. Jesus said that's how it works, which might give us a clue as to why sometimes we don't hear his voice in our lives. But we'll get to that in a second. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the rest of the world? And Jesus answers this question. Anyone who loves me those that are obeying me and will obey my teaching, my Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. What would it be like to be in a home with no communication? For some of you, that would be like heaven. I know, you're introverts, I get it. It'd be great if you could go home and not have to speak to anybody except maybe a few sentences. But for most people, well, even you introverts, if to go into a house and never speak to anybody else in the house, we have a term for that. It's called loneliness. We don't like it. And so God, Jesus says, you know, those that obey me and they show their love for me, my Father loves that and he will come and we will take up our abode. We will tabernacle, we will dwell with them, which was the Old Testament idea of, you know, it's so, it's so 
rare that anybody gets to be in the presence of God. They made a temple, and, and you had to go into the temple, and only the priest could go in. But Jesus says, I'm bringing it to you. We're going to come, and when you obey me and love me and follow me, I'm going to take my home and make it with you. You're going to be in my presence constantly, which implies that we're going to hear him speak to us. So when I look at scripture and I look at the history of the church and I look at even people from our own church, they experience this. It is normal for God's people to hear God's voice in their life. That's normal Christianity. So why don't we? I was reading this story uh, again from... Uh, Dallas Willard's book, and it just said it well, so I'll read it for you. Sunday dinner was finished, but we lingered around the table savoring the good food and reflecting on the morning service at church. The congregation where I then served as a very young and very green assistant pastor was excited about the plans for a new sanctuary to replace its old building, which was much loved but overused and outgrown. The morning message had focused on plans in the new building. Our pastor spoke of his vision and for the church's increased ministry. He indicated how strongly he felt God's guidance in the way the congregation was going and testified that God had spoken to him and about the things that should be done. My wife's grandmother, Mrs. Lucy Latimer, Mema, to all of us, seemed deep in thought as we continued to chatter along. And finally, she said quietly, I wonder why God never speaks to me like that. The simple comment, which came like a bolt out of the blue from the heart of a woman of unshakable faith and complete devotion, forever changed my attitude toward the glib talk about God speaking to us or about divine guidance. Through her words, in a way I came to understand only later, God spoke to me. <laughs> I was given a vivid realization, which has never left me, of the extent to which such talk places many sincere Christians on the outside. He means to talk about hearing God's voice in their lives. It's not necessary, or it is not necessarily that we experience, uh, that their experience is lacking, but they do not understand the language or how their experience works. This leaves them feeling confused and deficient and may lead to them to playing a game that they do not really understand and that rightly makes them very uncomfortable. In other words, pretending you hear from God. And it undermines their confidence that they're fully acceptable to God. And why wouldn't it? Oh, you, you pastor, you talk about hearing from God, but I, I don't hear from God very much, if hardly ever at all. And, and so there must be something wrong with me. There must be something wrong with my faith. Memma had, in fact had a richly interactive life with God, as we all knew. But for whatever reason, she had not been able to relate her experience of God's presence in her life, of which she was completely certain, to the idea of God speaking with her. This left her at a loss of how to deal with the conversational side of her friendship with God. In other words, Mama had never really been taught or understood that she has the right to have a conversational relationship with God. A time, times, places which God will speak into our lives. And so I have determined, since it's normal, Scripture tells us it's normal for God to speak, 
Now, how often he speaks is up to him, but it's normal for God to speak, and it's normal for him to speak to his people. Well, if I'm not hearing from him, then maybe there's something wrong, and I, I, I gotta stop and ask, well, in any conversation, one person might be speaking, but there's no conversation if the other person isn't what? Listening, right? See, it's a choice to hear God's voice. It's a choice that we make. It's a choice to hear God's voice. You choose. It's the, the question is not, is God speaking? The question is, am I listening? Am I choosing to listen to God? So what do I mean by that? How do you choose to listen to God? Well, I think the first thing is, when you stop and think about this whole idea of God communicating to us, we have to choose to believe that God speaks to me. Like James says, you have not because you ask not. And so maybe you've never really asked. Well, why would you have never asked God to speak to you? Well, because you maybe don't believe that he speaks. Because in our tradition, our conservative Baptist tradition that we come out of, and many of you, not all of you, but many of you have come out of, we were taught that God didn't really speak to his people years ago. And yet the scripture clearly says he does. And the testimony of the saints is that he does. The songs that we sing tell us he does. And yet somehow we got taught this idea, wrongfully so, that God doesn't speak to people today. And so you need to challenge that. You need to look at scripture and go, this is, I was always taught or believed that God doesn't speak today. He only speaks to pastors or prophets or whatever, but he doesn't speak to me. But yet scripture, what does it say? And what's the testimony of the saints? What do other people in this church think that walk with God? Maybe the, your choice is to say, I need to put aside that wrong belief that I had and accept the fact that God speaks. Now, we have to learn to hear God's voice, right, Samuel? He had to learn to hear God's voice. There's a process, there's growth in it. But if you don't believe God speaks to you, you're never going to hear him. It's a choice to hear God's voice, and you're making the choice to say, he doesn't speak to me. I don't expect to hear from him. I don't even ask. Well, maybe that's your challenge, your growth challenge, to say, hold on a second, I'm missing something. On the flip side of that, you may say, no, 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 I believe God speaks. But if, or, or if you come to say, okay, I, I, think, I think the scripture teaches that, well, the other side that you need to make a choice to listen to God, to put yourself in a place where you listen to God would be a better way to say it. You remember Elijah? The story, we just read it real brief. God's going to speak to him. Okay, bring it on. Comes the fire, a raging fire that would just be screaming loud. Nope, that's not God. The earthquake, which would tumbling rocks and crashing and grinding. Nope, that's not God's voice. And then the wind that's blowing things all around, moving rocks and so on. Nope, that's not God. Where's God? The whisper. The whisper. And to hear a whisper, you must remove distraction from your soul. Good things distract us from God. Good things get in the way of best things. Things like family, things like work, things like uh, entertainment, things like sports, things like you know, uh, our fam uh, meeting with friends and all. All that's good stuff. That's all good stuff. But the best thing is, first and foremost, to hear God. But we fill our lives with so many things. They distract us from taking time to listen, to put ourselves in a place where we can hear the whisper of God. 
There's not very often God screams in Scripture. More often in the experience of his saints is he whispers, but you will not hear God if you are distracted and your life is so full that you do not have a place in your life where you're listening for the voice of God. And I suspect that may be one of the largest reasons we don't hear God is because we don't have time where we go to listen to him. One of the impacts of the apathy that has come as a result of COVID is people putting aside their Bibles and their quiet times. <laughs> you would think when we're on vacation, when we have free time, and we're not, we don't have to go to work, and we don't have to deal with other things, we have a lot more free time, you would think that would be the time we would get closest to God. Do you find your vacation the time when you spend the most time with God? I don't. I, I struggle to even meet with God in my vacations. I don't know what it is, the change. Uh, uh, God's important to me, but I don't know if it's a change of schedule. I don't know what it is. But that's when, when I have the most time, that's when I struggle the most. And COVID, people were like, oh, we got all this time to be with God. But what we're finding out now is that people, us, you and me, we haven't actually used that time to be with God. We, we, we've kind of become apathetic and, and, and got worse than we were before. I love it. Last, uh, the last time I preached on hearing God, which was in July, and I had a friend text and go, you know what? You're right. I'm going to make sure from now on, every day, the first thing I do is I'm getting up, I'm spending time with God. This person's a busy person. They're going, I missed it. I let it go. And so I'm challenging you during COVID. Have you let that part of your walk with God go? If you're not spending time, if you're not choosing to spend time listening for God, you won't hear him. It's a choice to hear God's voice. And you need to choose. By the way, you may be asking yourself, well, why do I even want to hear from God? Like, what is one of the most obvious um, behaviors of a living person? That's the hint. If you're breathing, you're alive, right? We've said, you're breathing, you're alive. If you're a Christian, there's a hunger in your heart to know God. If you wonder if you have a relationship with God, but you have no desire to know him, then it's probably you don't have a relationship with God. That, that what the Spirit does in us is brings life, the life of God within us when we put our faith in Jesus, and it creates a hunger for what is real because the life of God is real. It's unlike anything else that we can find in this world. And so even though we're battling sin and battling our world and struggling with our issues, when we hear the voice, it brings life to us and we long for it. And we may struggle to hear. I get it, we have a struggle, but we long, and that is one of the most obvious uh, behaviors or indications of a person who's alive to God. <sighs> They're breathing, they want hunger for God. That's why I talk about this. Uh, another reason, another choice we have to make is dealing with sin. Uh, you know sin separates you from people, right? Like if you if you slander somebody or speak against them or steal from them or lie about them or say something hurtful to them, uh, 
If, if you sin against somebody, what happens? Well, you separate. And the deeper the sin, the further the separation. And so you're not communicating with one another. Well, since we know God doesn't sin, when we sin, we're the ones that move. He doesn't. And so as we sin, we move further away from God, which makes it harder and harder to hear God. And the more we hold on to our sin and refuse to deal with it, the further away from God we get, the harder it becomes to hear him. And so if we're hiding sin in our, you know, those secret sins that we have in our heart or we, we're harvesting bitterness in our soul and we won't deal with it, that, that, that will, unwillingness to forgive, or we're lying at work or underhanded at work, those sins, when we don't deal with them, when we don't uh, come out and, and, and confess them and repent of them and do what we need to deal with those sins, they push us further from God and the less we hear his voice. So, so if you choose sin over uh, uh, reconciliation and, and over confession and repentance, then you're choosing not to hear the voice of God in your life. You become unable to hear. It's like the further you get from somebody, the harder it is to hear them, and you get so far away from them, you can't hear them. They're yelling at you, you can't hear them. You're too far away. And that's what sin does, it pushes away. So, you, so it's a choice to hear God's voice, and so you need to choose whether you're going to prioritize sin or God. And confession is how we deal with this. Psalm 145, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He never does. But he says he's looking for those whose heart seek him. And when we seek him, we're willing to deal with our sin. The other choice we need to make is fear. Like getting close to God and hearing God's voice. There's an element of fear because you don't, like he's in charge. He's God. He, he does things we don't understand. And he might ask us of things we are afraid to do. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why some don't want to hear God's voice. We'll just stay in the margin where it's safe. And I can come in and come out of church, and I can, you know, I won't do the seeking God thing. I don't want to hear his voice because I'm afraid that he will make me forgive that person that hurt me. Or he will make me change the way I spend my money. Or he is going to talk to me about the sexual activity of my life that's not appropriate. Or he's going to talk to me about the attitude I have toward people at work. And I, I, you know, to be honest with you, when I read that story about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he said, sell everything, I, I'm terrified God will do something like that. And I, 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 just, I don't want to go there. So I'll stay out here in the margins where it's safe and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to get too close to God and he can't ask me anything and, and I'll be fine. Everything God has ever asked me to do that I struggled to do because I thought I didn't want to, looking back was always the best and most freeing of all things. And just recently, he, uh, I was spending my time, I have a regular time, I meet with God. Every time I open the word, every morning as I sat in prayer, this, you need to go back and apologize to these people. And I'm like, well, <laughs> clearly that's just an overactive imagination. It's not God speaking. And so I would close in prayer, my devotional time, usually a little quickly, and then move on with my day. And the next morning I'd come back, and I'd be, I'd be reading about baptism, and God is 
I'm getting this sense in my soul God is saying to me, you need to go back and apologize. Every day this is happening, and I'm given all these excuses of why I don't need to go back because, really, honestly, who wants to go back and apologize for what they've done? I mean, if I apologize, I'll let them off because it was a conflict, and they did some certain things, but if they were willing to come to me, I'd be willing to forgive, but I'm not going to them because, you know, that would just be too humiliating. So I, I struggled with this a long time. I, I went and got spiritual, <laughs> spiritual counsel on this. And all my spiritual counsel, like, what, why won't you just go apologize for what you did? Well, what do you know? You don't know what you're talking about. And I just struck, and every time I opened, then finally God said, how many times do I got to talk to you about this? I'm afraid. Okay, I get that. Now, go do what I told you to do. Incredible freedom. All the fear I had about humbling myself, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. I came out looking like I was the one to blame for everything. I was one to blame for many things, but there wasn't everything. And, but then I'm like, it's okay. God's bigger than all that. The se- and I never worry about that anymore. And it kept coming up in my life, and I kept pushing it down. Because I was afraid. And I didn't want to hear God's voice on that topic. So it's a choice to hear God's voice. It's your choice. God, it's normal for God to speak. He speaks all the time. But it's a choice to hear God's voice. A choice you have to choose to listen. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And I want you to just think about if the Holy Spirit was tapping... <laughs> your heart right now. In other words, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you during the preaching of this word and this sermon that there is something. Maybe you need to choose to believe that he speaks to you. And you need to put aside that error that you were taught. And you need to begin a journey of understanding what it means for God to speak to you. Not just speak to your pastor or to church leaders or or, you know, the, the, the theologians, but to you, he wants to speak into your life. Maybe that's your choice, to have the courage to begin to search Scripture and talk to people you know are godly and say, is it true, Does God, should I expect God to speak to me? You need to choose whether or not you're going to do that. And your growth is that choice. Maybe your choice isn't that, but it's a choice to say, you know what, I know God speaks, but I just don't make time for him to speak in my life. I don't listen. And so I'm going to choose to set aside some time in my day, each day, to listen for God. And if he wants to speak, I'll be there. And I'll open his word and listen. Or maybe there's a sin. As I was speaking, you were like, yep, he doesn't know, but he just named the sin that I'm hiding. Or it reminded you of a sin that you're hiding. And God is calling you to come out. And that's your choice to say, yeah, I'm going to deal with I'm going to confess it and repent it. And I'm going to tell who I need to tell. I'm going to deal with the sin. I'm going to get the help that I need to overcome it. Because some sin takes months and years to overcome. Or maybe it's fear. And the Spirit touched your spirit while I was preaching. And the Spirit said to you, this is what's holding you back. 
Or maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. You're sitting here or you're listening in and you're, you're going, well, I, what are you talking about? God speak? I, I don't even know if I know God. And, and what you need to understand is that you're separated from God because of your sin, but Jesus' death on the cross pays fully for it. And for those who will admit their sin to God and believe that Jesus has died on the cross for their sin and then choose to put their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you will be reconciled to God and your whole, you'll be given a whole new life as the Spirit indwells you, and then you will begin to experience what it means to listen to God and hear God. So what choice do you need to make? It's a choice to hear God's voice. What choice do you need to make to open up an avenue for God to speak into you? Father, we have well, t- times where we're disobedient, uh, we're proud, we're resistant, we're fearful, And so we just bring ourselves to you. And I ask on behalf of all of us that you would lead us so that we could hear your voice in our lives. And to hear your voice, as Peter said, are the words of life. They bring life to us. Give us the courage to take the step to make the choice we need to make. In your name I pray. Amen. And just in closing, I'll say one thing, and that is, I never did answer that question about, well, how does God speak? Well, we'll talk about that next week.